0: Good morning, church. It is my privilege to stand before you today and open God's word as our pastor is away for a couple of days of vacation, and it is a joy to me for me to be here with you this morning. A couple things I want you to know is my name is Mike Daniels, and I have a confession to make this morning. I am not normal. There's nothing about me normal in a lot of ways. In fact, if you know me, you are stating to yourself right in your living room, yeah, there's nothing normal about that guy. I want to give you a couple of reasons I'm not normal. I like to get up early. In fact, I like to get up before the sun rises. I like to start my day early. When I was in college, I like to have a 7.30 class so that I would be able to be done with the day by 10, 10.30, 11 o'clock. But the problem is, when you get up early, you also like to go to bed early. In fact, for me, the earlier the better at night. I I don't mind going to bed when the sun is still in the sky. You see, it doesn't bother me a bit to go to bed really early. In fact, last night, I I started heading to bed early when the sun was still up, why? Because I've always, always was taught Saturday Night Live is Sunday Morning Dead, and I wanted to be ready for this morning. I also don't read menus. You go to a restaurant, many people will take a menu and read it. I don't read menus because I have one thing that I order at every restaurant. Whatever restaurant I go to, I order one thing at that particular place. In fact, uh, I think it's kind of a waste of time for me, at least, to read a menu. So for some of you, you say, hey, listen, I want a hamburger. Let's go to McDonald's. I think it's strange that people go to McDonald's. You know you want a hamburger, yet you still read the menu above the workers' heads, I don't read menus. I also have a goal in life to wear out a pair of Crocs. I don't know, it just seems fun for me. You know, the soles are about that thick, and I think it'd be cool to wear a hole all the way through the sole of a pair of Crocs. I also have an engineering degree, a mechanical engineering degree, but I don't like to fix things. In fact, some of you may say that I am not normal, but I may say that I am normal and you're not normal. Perhaps my way I do things is normal, and maybe you're off kilter a little bit. So the question this morning is, who defines normal? Why can't I be normal in the ways in which I choose to live, in the way that God kind of made me? In fact, last week, Riley asked this very question in the series that we began last week, who defines normal? In fact, we live in a world where we're always constantly and consistently redefining normal. We live in a world that has been flipped upside down. We have a virus that's taken over the world. Disney reopened this last week to 17% capacity. We all are wearing face masks in July in Atlanta. Now, some of you, and I've seen you, and you know who you are, you are wearing face masks in your car by yourself. Haven't quite figured that one out yet. There are temperature checks are commonplace. The NBA is playing in a bubble and college football may not happen this fall. Now I need you to fast and pray for our pastor because he is not okay with that last one. Joshua became a leader in a time just like we're facing today. It didn't have a virus, but the world was flipped upside down. You see, Joshua came into leadership when Moses died. In fact, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, we know that Moses, the servant of the Lord, has died. He was the only leader of the Israelite people, the people of God they had ever known was this leader, and Moses' death then set into place a string of events that required a new leader, one that could not rely on the playbook of the leader before him, but this new leader had to pave a new path forward in a time that was certainly not normal. The people then, just like today, were fickle, and they were frail, and they were disobedient. And Riley taught us last week that the people of God had a promise from God. that started back in Genesis chapter 12 when God had promised to Abraham that he would make his children great and he would give the people a land, that they would inherit a land. And this land would be a sign of the covenant between God and his people. And the Bible described this land as flowing with milk and honey. It was a great land. And This was something that they were entering into. One day, the people of God would enter into their inheritance, this land. The problem was because of the disobedience of the people and the disobedience of Moses, their leader, they were not allowed to go into the promised land. In fact, God said to Moses, I want you to look at the promised land, come up on this high hill, and I want you to look over and you will see the promised land, but you nor this generation of disobedient people will be able to enter into that land. And it was in this moment, in this circumstances that that the death of Moses brings about a new leader and his name is Joshua. In just the next few moments, let's take a look at who Joshua is. The first thing I want you to notice is this. He was a protege of Moses. Joshua was a protege of Moses. Moses was his mentor. We saw over and over that Joshua spent time at the right hand of Moses. Everywhere Moses went, he was there. In fact, he was there on the mountain when... Moses received the Ten Commandments. He was there when Moses came out from meeting with God, and the Bible says that his face shone when God had met with Moses face to face. You see that Joshua was also there when Moses came off the mountain and saw the Israelite people forming a golden calf. You see, he was a protege of Moses. He was also, he was a historian. The next thing you'll know is he was a historian. When he walked with Moses, Moses, if you remember, was the one who wrote the first books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You see, as he was writing these moments, he was also seeing and, and living those moments with Moses himself. Joshua was there when these living history moments were being penned, perhaps, or, or spoken in oral tradition. We know that he was a historian and he knew the, the very history of God's people. We also know that he was a slave. We know that he probably felt the sting of the whips of the Egyptians, perhaps. He knew that he had suffered and his people had suffered at the hands of the Egyptians. He was, also, he was also a soldier. He was the leader of the army. In fact, he knew what it was like to fight. He knew what warfare was all about. He knew how to battle plan and how to train troops. He knew how to conquer foreign land. He was not only a soldier, but he was also a servant. You see, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, it says that Joshua is the assistant to Moses. He was also, this is kind of a cool fact, he was also a spy. He was a spy, and we, he and Caleb went and spied out the land with others, but they were the only two that came back and said, this is the land that we shall take. He understood what it was like to scout out the land and scout out the tendencies of the enemy. He was all of these things, but perhaps the most important characteristic of Joshua is that he was a saint. He knew God. He knew the creator. He had a deep relationship with this God that he had seen over and over working in the hearts of his mentor, but also himself personally. He knew the history of God's people. He knew the plan of God. He knew the promise of God. He knew the presence of God. He knew the word of God as illustrated in those first five books of the law. He knew the will of God. And at the end of his life, at the end of his days, the Bible records that he died at 110 years of age. He was a servant of God. And Joshua 24, 31 describes it this way. Israel, the people of God, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. Now take just a moment here. Think about the people of God. They lived and served the Lord all the days of Joshua during his lifetime, but not just that, but all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. I wanna say it like this. I wanna say it, Joshua lived in the moment, but his leadership outlived his life. That's the type of leader that we're looking at this morning, that his leadership outlived his life. Now, when you realize this, what does that look like in this unique day in history? He called the people of God. He called the people of God to be all in. He called the people of God to be all in in this unique God-defined moment. He called the people of God to be all in. Why would Joshua, at this moment after, after Moses has died, he has taken over the leadership of his people. He then calls the people of God to be all in. Here's why. Because God desires his people to enter into the promised land. You see, the people of God had not been able to go in because of their disobedient past. And it was upon Moses' death and the death of this generation that the Israelites were able now to enter into the promised land. And it was this desire that leads us to this passage of scripture today in Joshua chapter 1. Verse 10 and 11. We're gonna be going all the way through 18, but we're gonna just read this morning just to begin our time with 10 and 11. It says this. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Would you pray with me right now? Lord God, we thank you for this morning. We ask that God, you would allow us to see what it looks like for the people of God and for us today to be all in. And God, we hang on this this very fact in these words that God, you desired, not only for the people of God in Joshua's day to enter the promised land, but you this morning desire for us to enter into our promised land as believers. God, teach us now in Jesus' name, amen. So let me ask you the question. If it's true that God desires his people to enter the promised land, the question then remains, how does one get into the promised land? The first thing I want you to see is this. Joshua tells the people, pack your bags. Let's go back to verses 10 and 11 real quick. Let's read it. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people. The officers of the people were not the military officers. These were the logistical coordinators, the logistical officers of the day. They were the ones who got things done. So Joshua commanded the officers of the people pass through the midst of the camp and command the people. Tell them these things prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over the Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Now, this is a moment of anticipation. This is a new day. This is a day that Joshua says, Be prepared. Have you ever heard of the term go bag? I was introduced with a term go bag when I was on a mission trip several years ago. We were in a country that was hostile to the gospel. There was political unrest and instability in that country. And when I was there, there was an incident that took place that made it unsafe for us to be there. In fact, the next morning I woke up and I walked into the kitchen of the missionary's house that I was staying in and I looked on the table and I was introduced to what a go bag was. On this table was a a bag, it was a black duffel bag about this big big, by this big and on that table it was a table that was prepared with the necessary essential ingredients for us to get out of the country safely. There was a satellite phone in there. There was two-way radios in there. There was essential documents. There were keys. There were cash. And in that moment, the, the reality set in that that bag was there to get us out. Think of a go bag being that bag that a pregnant lady will have at the door as she is preparing for those days that she gives delivery to her first child or second child. She packs everything up the night or week before in anticipation of what is going to take place. The goal of that bag is to get you ready and get you through the journey. Now Joshua says to the people, get your go bag, it is time. Now look what he says in the go bag. He says this, prepare your provisions for within three days. He said, get your essentials. Get your essential things that you need for this journey. Now, we get this time frame for within three days. I don't know, and the scripture doesn't say if they're going to leave in three days or if it'll take three days to get there, but we see that this is going to be a journey. Prepare your essentials, and for within three days, you are to pass over to the place that I have left you. It is the place that I want you. Now, this morning, I wanna say it this way. We must live light in light of eternity. We must live with just the essentials. The problem is our Western culture does not want us to live light. We want to hoard things. We want to keep things. That's why we have storage closets. That's why we have storage rooms. God tells us and Joshua tells the people here, we are to live light in light of eternity. The key understanding of this passage is that we are not at the place that God has meant for us. The people of Joshua's day were not in their promised land. They were not at their promised place and neither are we as a church today. In fact, we have not arrived where God desires for us in this moment. God has allowed this pandemic for whatever purposes, but he has allowed it in this place, but this is not what we're created for. Watching online is not what we are created for. We're created for community and fellowship and encouragement and hugs and high fives. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, it speaks of us not forsaking the gathering of believers. In fact, our pastor will speak on that in the next couple of weeks. but, But the reality is, is this moment is not what God has planned for us. So what do we do? We pack our bags with anticipation. What does that mean for us practically to to pack our bags? In Joshua's day, it meant a couple of things. If you remember, remember, they wandered in the wilderness leading up to moving into the promised land. The people of God wandered for 40 years. And they complained about not having food. So God provided manna from heaven. Each morning, manna appeared before them. It was a a substance. In fact, the people didn't know what it was. They they called it, what is it, in fact. That's what manna means. They said, what is this little substance? And that was the provision that was given to them each and every day. In fact, the people tried to store it in their pockets and say, hey, I'm going to take it to tomorrow. But it rotted in their pocket. It was only good for one day. For us, what does it mean practically? Every day our provisions must be daily. We must seek the Lord and his provisions daily. What did the Lord say? What did Jesus say in his, his prayer? He says, give us this day our daily bread. We cannot rely on yesterday's bread. We must continuously go back to the Lord for daily provision. We must spiritually feed ourselves day in and day out. This is a moment that I would ask you, the people that are listening today, when was the last time you opened your Bible and fed from God's Word? When was the last time within perhaps the last 24 hours, some are night owls and some are morning people, when was the last time you simply sat and just listened to the Word of God as it washes over your minds and hearts and lives? In fact, I want to say it this way. We must have the Word of God in our hearts Day in and day out, we need a spiritual provision. We must pack the essentials and the essentials are the word of God in our hearts. The second thing is the praise of God on our lips. Here's what I love about what we just sang is when we're constantly thinking about what God is doing, it comes out of our lips in in moments of praise. The third thing is this, wonder of God on our minds. When was the last time you sat in awe and wonder of a great creating God? Where you sat and were amazed in his presence of what he has done, is doing, or what he has said he will do. You see, we must also have the work of God on our agendas. The reality is every day do we wake up knowing that God has a plan for you and for me. I'm always encouraged by our pastor because he says these very things. He says, I must have the work of God on my agenda. He will wake up in the morning knowing what's on his agenda for that day, whether it's uh, an airplane, which he hasn't been doing, or whether it's a lunch or whether it is, he will pray for the person that is serving him that lunch in anticipation of being able to share the gospel with them. In fact, yesterday I had the opportunity to talk with a man who is from Serbia He was a man who was helping me get a battery for my car and I just struck up a conversation, why? Because I have been working on, I've been trying to work on this myself, that every day, this day is your day, God. And Joshua reminds the people to pack light and take only the essentials, but Joshua also wanted to, the second thing is this, he wanted to include everyone. If you look at this passage of scripture, this is the idea of enlisting the entire family. When you think of the people of God, you think of the Israelites, you think of the 12 tribes of Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel were basically family members. They were basically individual brothers, 12 individual brothers, and each of those brothers had family members. So when you think of these tribes of Israel, you think of these people who had been given an inheritance by God himself. And in this very moment, as we unpack the scripture, there are three tribes. In fact, all the tribes of Israel were going to get a piece of land. Each of them were going to get an inheritance. And three of these brothers or tribes had already entered into their inheritance. Moses had already given them their land. In fact, we see that on one side of the Jordan, but they still had to cross over for the rest of the promised land for the other nine tribes. And Joshua speaks directly in this next verse, speaks directly to these three tribes who had already entered into their inheritance. And he commands all three of them who had already gotten their inheritance to be all in to help the other brothers into their promised land. And this is what it says in verse 13. He says this, Joshua says, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Now, when you look at this, it also goes on, verse 14, and says this, all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them. So when you look at this, he says, hey, listen, you three tribes who already have your land, you are going to help. This is an idea of unity, this is an idea of everybody going together, that we are not one for all and all for one. We, we have it all together. The entire family was to be included. And he says, you, 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 you men from these three tribes, you're gonna take your men of valor. You're gonna take your elite fighting forces and you're gonna go over in front of your brothers and you're gonna help them fight so that they may enter into their promised land. You see, the point is this. We all go together. This call to unity was created for community and we are to go together in all things. And that's what makes this pandemic so difficult. You see, you and I weren't created for isolation. We weren't created to do life by Zoom, but in community with each other together. I long for you, I long to be with you. I know you long to be with each other. You see, we have a history. We are brothers and sisters. We have commonality of thought and circumstances and beliefs and, and, and life experiences. And this is not what God has called us for. We are to pack our bags. We are also to include everyone in church. This is where I think about this statement. Our pastor continuously leads us to this one statement. Who is your one Who is it that you are saying, hey, when we go into the promised land, who are you bringing with you? Who are you praying about? Who are you engaging on a a day in and day out manner? You see, we say our mission statement is to point people to Jesus and inspire them to live a Christ honor, Christ shaped life. So when you look at this, what does it mean to pack your bags and include everyone? It means that we're engaging our people and we're always on the ready. The third thing that Joshua tells the people, he says this, commit to the task. If you're gonna be all in, we're gonna ask that you are all in, all in. Joshua wanted the people to be all in. Why? Because he knew that God was all in before you and I are ever asked to be all in. Have you ever thought of that way? is that God is never going to ask you to be all in if he's not all in. God chose you before the foundation of the world, the Bible says. Before he told Abraham to go to a place that I will show you, he was all in. Before he asked Joshua to take and and lead the people in the promised land, God was all in. Before he asked Jonah to go to Nineveh, God was all in. Before he asked Paul to go to the Gentiles, he was all in. Before he asked Peter to build the church, he was all in. You see, the desire is that we may enter the promised land what do we take? We take the bare, essentials. We bare necessities, the essentials. Who do we take? We take the entire family. We gather everybody that will go with us and we take them to the promised land. But yet, how do we take that next step? Let's look back in verse 16. And the people answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us we will do and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only make the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Next verse. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Let's go back one verse real quick. And they answered Joshua and said, all that you have commanded us. It says, whatever you ask us to do, Joshua, we will do. Think about it, believers did that today. Whatever God you ask of me, I will do. And then it says here, and the people said, wherever you send us, we will go. It is this idea that wherever Joshua would send, it didn't matter where it was, they were willing to go. Whatever and whenever they were willing. Next verse. But there is a contrast to this. And this is where Joshua said, we want you to be all in. The people got it. And they said, whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. You see, whatever, call, whatever the call of God is upon your life, you are to do. Wherever he calls you, you are to go. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that we are to live sent here today and there tomorrow. Wherever we may be, every breath that you draw is to be in the agenda of God himself for your life. Every activity that you partake in is to be consumed with the thoughts of how might I honor the Lord Jesus and include these people with me when I enter the promised land. We are to live light in light of eternity, So when you think of living light, we are to take the bare essentials. We are to live light in light of eternity. When, we, when are we going to reopen? Who do we trust? Do we trust the educators? They don't seem to have figured it out. Do we trust the lawmakers? Not sure exactly which direction they're headed. What about the politicians? They seem to be just simply blaming each other. How about do you trust for reopening? Do you trust that crazy friend on Facebook? And you know who I mean. They don't have the answers. God has the answers. God had the answers for Joshua and the Israelites, and He has the answers for you today. Now, it may not seem clear right now, but remember the people of Israel, draw some encouragement from the people of Israel. They wandered for 40 years until they got clarity of when they were to go and how they were gonna go and where they were to go. But God, rest assured, God's promises and plans always end in the promised land, why? Because God desires his people to enter into that blessed land of promise. Now I wanna go back for just a moment. I wanna circle back to a theme that's really important in this passage but also throughout the Bible is this idea of rest. Many of us woke up this morning, you woke up tired. We slept, but we did not rest. We have this weighty nature of the season in our lives. When will schools reopen? Will they reopen? How will they reopen? And what does it look like when they do? Will my business survive? Will my retirement account recover? Will my job last? Will the bills get paid? And will my health hold? You see, we're all asking these questions and you are tired and so am I. As we navigate this season, we're tired even though we lay our head on the pillow and sleep a normal amount of time. We wake up tired. I want to go back to a key thought here in verse 13. It says this, Joshua is speaking to the three tribes and he says, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. You see, the promised land is described here as a place of rest. That should be encouraging to me and to you. For Joshua, it meant that there was rest from war and their enemies and their aimless wanderings, perhaps even their slavery, For you and for me, it's not described as a land flowing with milk and honey, but a land where we are free from the bondage and fear and anxieties and worries of this world. You see, it's described, the promised place, the place for all believers is in heaven, and it's described as a place of streets of gold. There's no pain and no sickness and no sorrow. There's the eternal presence of God himself This is described as the place of rest. You see, church, in this moment, we see Joshua foreshadowing Jesus. Joshua led his people to their promised land, and Jesus wants to lead you to your promised land, a land of the eternal relationship with God himself. And just as Joshua invited everyone in his invitation, I include you in this invitation. But this morning, I want to be clear what an invitation is and what an invitation is not. You see, this past February, I invited my son to go to a Lakers game with me. I invited him to go to a Lakers game. He's always been a fan of LeBron James. And in that moment, he was excited, and we got to the gate, and the the ticket taker said, do you have a ticket? You see, his invitation would not get him into the game. He needed a bought and paid for ticket. When he produced that ticket, it showed that he had a space reserved. He had a seat. They were expecting him. It also showed, that ticket also showed the love that I had for him as his dad to purchase that ticket for him. It also showed that I was excited about entering into that game with him and all that pertained to that game and all the excitement, the atmosphere and enjoying the journey of from that day forward in that game. Jesus extends an invitation to you this morning. He says, I am the way, the truth the truth and the life, and no one enters into the promised land except through me. You see, God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross and pay the penalty for your sins and to provide a way for your entry and your access into your eternal promised land. You see, Jesus is our access to God's promised land this morning. And Just like in Joshua's day, we're all invited, but not all of us have a ticket. You see, Jesus died for each one of you and for me the Bible says in Romans ten nine, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be gloriously saved. Saved from your sins, saved from this direction of this world. But who may enter in, the Bible says again in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be gloriously and miraculously saved. So this morning, I invite you in this invitation today, I invite you to participate with us and with me today simply by saying, hey, I wanna be a part of the family of God. I want to accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior and I invite you right now wherever you are in the living room on the back deck in your car looking on your phone looking on the computer I invite you to close your eyes right now and I invite you to pray a prayer just simply with me. Something pray just like this Lord Jesus I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. This world has been flipped upside down but I want to know the way, the truth, and the life. I want to know what it's like to have secured my place in heaven. I know I've been invited by a bunch of people a bunch of times, but today I want access to God the Father in heaven. And the way to do that is simply by trusting you, Jesus. Come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and give me hope for eternity. In Jesus' name. this morning, if you prayed that prayer, it is the greatest decision you could ever make this morning. It is a decision that God came and he desired for you to enter into a place of rest, eternal rest. Now I've got something else I want you to do. If you made that decision, if you're on the computer over on the right-hand side in the chat section, there's a little, little button there that says raise your hand if you would like to make that decision public or perhaps you want to go here to crosspointchurch.com slash decision, or you can even text yes, Jesus to 31996. Now stay with me, believers, I want you to pray for this just very quick moment. This information is here, that little raise your hand icon is in in the side in the chat of your computer screen. Here's the deal, over the last several weeks, I wanna encourage you, we have had people that have raised their hand or they've gone here and filled out this decision, they've texted yes Jesus to this number, but then they stop there. You see, when you do any of these three things, there's gonna be another screen that comes up and asks for some information that we may follow up with you. Now you may say, hey, I don't wanna do all that. Then I would say to you, you've still been invited, you didn't receive the ticket. Because what happens is when someone gets radically saved, they say, hey, listen, I want to do it the way God intended. And that is not in isolation. That is not in the cover of darkness. That is where your body, the body of believers can walk alongside of you, encourage you and help you. So right now, if you made that decision today or any of the weeks previous to today, would you please just go on again and give us information? we're not going to bug you, we're gonna pray for you. We're going to try to breathe life into you and encourage you with God's word and and pray for you. So any of these ways, you go to the decision, you go to text Yes Jesus, or on that chat of the side of your computer, let us know about the decision you made. Would you pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Father, I pray that you would encourage these people to be all in, to complete the task that they would commit to the task of, of filling out this form and letting us have information that the people in the hearing of my voice would say, I am going to engage in the people that I come in contact with, why? Because I want all of my friends to engage and enter into the promised land with me. Father, today, would you protect and guide and lead our church in these moments? And would you allow us to continue to be faithful even in the midst of a virus? We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Now, before you go, I have a quick word that I just wanna give to each of you. Many of you have asked the question of when are we getting back together in person? That's a great question. We have asked that question, your staff and your pastor have asked that question every day since this pandemic started. We have prayed, we have asked the Lord for direction and wisdom. We have monitored the uptick in Georgia of the viruses that that has even come back over the last couple of weeks. We have monitored what other churches are doing, whether they're already back in place or they said we're gonna meet in 2033, whatever it may be. But I want you to know this, our desire is to advance the plan and give you a word so you will know what we are planning to do. But in all cases, I want you to be praying for us because there are still some people that are anxious and fearful about coming back. At the same time, we also know that some of you are chomping at the bit to be back as well. So we want to honor the Lord. We want to keep you safe. And we want to advance the kingdom. So until then, would you pray for us? And at the same time, would you also live in such a way that people see Jesus in you? Until we meet again, you are sent. Have a great afternoon.